This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Podcast, a podcast where we chat true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, cryptids, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Sometimes we also tell you recipes for pierogi casseroles. So because it's bomb. Because it's bomb. I'm Alex. I'm Christy. And this week we are back talking paranormal stories. And no, I'm not going to include the pierogi casserole recipe in the in the episode. I'm sorry. I Look lied. it up on some Pinterest. Yeah, like just Pinterest it. But before we dive into our paranormal story and our paranormal location. Chrissy, what is your need for a distraction? Uh, my need for a distraction this week is I have this weekend off, Woo! which is a little break. Yes. And I'm distracting this little break along with this because <laughs> I just finished 19 days. Oh my God. And I start another 19 days when this weekend's over. <laughs> so living my best life, not. <laughs> living my best life, getting that bread. And that's it. But also not getting any sleep. Or life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I mean, we're still kind of in lockdown, so it's not like we could go out and do things anyways. No, and it better be over this week. Yeah, Doug Ford, if you're listening, because we know you're listening. We know you've subscribed to Weird Distractions podcast. Um, if you could, Jokes. <laughs> if you could do us a big old favor and, uh, you know, lift the lockdown, that'd be superb. Great. That'd be great. My need for a distraction... I just woke up really anxious today mm-hmm. and like couldn't stop crying. <laughs> what? Point, yeah, like straight up. I woke up. I was in an okay mood and then as the morning progressed, for some reason I also woke up at 7 a.m. So that was not great mm, on a Saturday. Saturday. That's too early. Morning, yeah. But yeah, I just was really anxious and I couldn't shake it off. I don't know. Your body is just like, let these tears pour out of you. Yeah, well, and work's been really stressful. There's been, like, other stuff going on, so I think... There's everything building up. Yeah, so there's just another good reminder that bottling things up just doesn't doesn't really help, right? No. Yeah, that's a little mini breakdown this morning. Now we're going to distract, then we'll be yeah. great. Yeah, now we're going to talk about paranormal stuff, because that's what makes me happy. Yay! <laughs> so this week we are going to good old Ireland. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have we been to Ireland? You have, haven't you? Well, yeah, I, I know. Physically, I've been oh, okay. I mean, with the show, have we been to Ireland? Uh, my memory's pretty vague. I don't know. I know we've been to Scotland. So anyways, we're, we're going to Ireland. This week's distraction is the infamous Kilmainham Jail, a former jail turned museum located on Inchicore Road in Kilmainham, Dublin, Ireland. So it's like a kind of a suburb in Dublin. I see that five times fast. I know. I, I have Jolly phonics it, and I've practiced it this morning, but you She's still... She's still think, a tongue twister. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Anyways, and the funny thing is, I pick these. I, I do this to myself. <laughs> I do this on purpose. Exactly. So I've had this location kind of in the back of my head to cover at some point. Mm-hmm. Because our friend Jamie, who's been on the show, uh, I think she was on for our Titanic episode, as well as Celebrity Conspiracy Series. Mm-hmm. Go listen to those. But Jamie and I actually went to this place back in 2017 when we went to Ireland. Yeah. So it's... It's pretty cool. I'll show you. We'll we'll post pictures on our Instagram, but I'm going to show Christy after the episode. Good. Yes, because it's 
Uh, as always, before we dive into the reported hauntings, we have to cover the history of this location. The history portion of this location is a bit heavy in comparison to the paranormal part. But there's still ghosties around, so don't get discouraged. And as well, just a heads up that there could have been a lot of historical rabbit holes that I could have gone down in terms of things that were happening when this jail kind of started, things that have happened since this jail has started. Mm. I cover a little bit of them, but didn't go full balls to the wall, so to speak. Gotcha. So the jail story begins way back at approximately 1796, when it first opened its doors to be the new county jail for Dublin. The creation of the jail was meant to challenge how historical jails were created. Essentially, it was the hot, new take on a classic model. It came in right to the main stage and was like, hey... I've got something to sell. Purse first. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've actually just finished that season of RuPaul's Drag Race. So. Bob. I love Bob the Drake Queen. Anyways, the jail was inspired by a more modern design that was meant to support more separation of inmates from a typically crammed setting that people had kind of been used to or kind of seen prior to, as well as encourage more hygiene and work for prisoners. So, you know human rights and stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. Uh, the other hope from the creation of Kilmanham Jail was that prisoners would actually be safely reintegrated back into society as opposed to previous models. The designer of the jail was Sir John Trail, who created the original complex with the following layout and this kind of quote I'm going to share with you is from the History Island website and it reads, the prison had an entrance and administrative block to the north, a spine block running north-south end to either side, the cell set around two central yards, a series of yards dedicated to specific activities or types of prisoner were arranged around the cell blocks, a high limestone wall with bastions to the four corners enclosed the entire complex, the present entrance block with its heavy rusticated and vermiculated stonework and chained hydra, a mythical and dangerous many-headed serpent, over the door was part of the original building. The two wings on either side of the entrance forming the entrance court are later additions to the east, the governor's apartments, to the west, the stone breaker's yard. Not sure if this next part was Sir John's doing, but there was a specific part of the original building where prisoners sent for execution by hanging would be taken up so that the community could watch their final breaths. In a direct quote from the History Ireland website, public hangings were done from the gallows directly above the doorway. The combination of the hydra and chains and the hanged emphasized the control of those threatening society. So very ominous and very intense. Interesting. Yes. So needless to say, true crime entertainment was even borderline inhumane back in the 18th century, which this isn't shade to the true crime community because we are kind of a part of the true crime community, but there's obviously been discussions about what is inhumane and what's just educational. Mm. And I think this borders the inhumane side of things and mm. not super great. Gotcha. Yeah. One notable public hanging included that of Robert Emmett, who was a reported famous Irish revolutionary leader who met his demise at the jail on September 20th, 1803, after being convicted for treason. 
Dun, 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 dun. In a very bold but patriotic move, Robert had requested that his body be put in an unmarked grave until Ireland was free from English rule. And according to the Scratchable Map Ireland website by Vera O'Dreyer, no one knows where his body is to this day. I so, say, yeah, why would you put yourself in an unmarked grave and wait for something that probably may never happen and then you just get forgotten? I mean... You're trying to make a point, but then you forget forgotten. It's a statement. It's a statement. It's a statement. Forgotten statement. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he also just didn't want to be bothered in the afterlife, too. Maybe he said that and, and secretly was like, I also just don't want anyone coming to visit me after I die. Maybe. So. <laughs> in an Irish Times article by Ronan McGreevy, it was documented that Robert's head was displayed to the crowd by the hangman, and the remains were supposed to be taken to the royal hospital. However, when friends went to the hospital to take them to St. McCann's Church... Robert's body was nowhere to be found. Great name for a church. Yeah. It's not spelled the same way as your last name, though. It sounds the same. I think it's it's either St. McCann's or St. Michon's or Michon's. <laughs> I didn't jolly phonics that one, so I am sorry. We're saying it's McCann. We're going to say it's McCann. Uh, so, but anyways, back to the jail. Even though there were high hopes for this jail... Uh, that it was kind of going to be like the golden child of its era, that it was going to just bring it to the runway, it was going to do what the jails before it couldn't do. Clearly not, though. Yeah, <laughs> shit kind of hit the fans. So it didn't really take long for overcrowding to happen. Cells that were designed to maybe hold one to two people were kind of starting to burst at the seams. And this could be, well, this is for numerous reasons. One reason I kind of picked up on when I was looking at my photos from the jail, mm -hmm. when Jay and I went, people were kind of arrested for really silly things way back when. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one by the name of Elizabeth Flynn was arrested for stealing turnips from a field and was sentenced to jail for one week. Okay, I get like the light sentence, but it's like you have to go to jail for a week for, for that. For turnips. For turnips. I mean, it's still stealing. Yeah, but the, what's the point of sending them to jail if they're only for a week? Like, why don't you for send them turnips. For, why don't you like probation exactly. or like some kind of whatever other torture they would do for whatever. Yeah. Elizabeth's sentence may not be as long as others, though, such as 21-year-old Patrick Connor, who was sentenced three months for stealing a pig's cheek. Why does she get a week and he gets three months? I mean... The pig, I guess. I don't know. Was that is that considered like animal cruelty? Is it actual like they took a cheek off a pig, or like I he don't... bought a portion of that, like he stole that meat portion from a store? Honestly, you could buy weird parts of animals. My imagine went to the first one where <laughs> he just broke into someone's farm at night and cut it off. I yeah. picture like there's a for sale a pig cheek for four dollars, and See, they stole it. <laughs> this is where we differ as people. <laughs> realistic, you unrealistic. I went into the darkest form of. He went and skinned this pig and then was sent to jail okay. for three months. <laughs> so I think we can kind of appreciate that laws were obviously a lot different a long time ago in comparison to now and technically speaking these crimes are still considered theft like theft is theft yes but just it just like kind of became apparent to me that people were probably getting picked up for very minor offenses and being held in prison because of that it's kind of like how people used to be incarcerated for marijuana like mm -hmm. possession of marijuana and now it's legal and now look at us canada it's more legal to smoke pot than it is to get together with your family members <laughs> anyways so that's kind of one reason for that I think for overcrowding. Mm -hmm. So I will say that I do recall learning how some prisoners, mostly the ones there for kind of more severe or heinous crimes, such as murder, uh, were shipped to Australia. But I don't necessarily think that really helped the overcrowding in good old Kilmainham. No, yeah. probably not. If you're like, no. 
arresting at that kind of rate of stupid shit. Yeah. It wasn't until 1840 when a block of 30 cells was reportedly added to the West Wing, which seemed to alleviate the overcrowding for a hot second. In 1845 came the Great Famine in Ireland, also known as the Irish Potato Famine, which reportedly lasted until 1849. For those unaware of this devastating historical Irish event, essentially it was a time of starvation after the most successful potato crops of Ireland suffered from the from late blight, which, according to the Britannica website, is a disease that destroys the leaves and the edible roots of the potato plant. That's very unfortunate. Oh boy, it was not good. Uh, this meant that whatever potato dependency the Irish had along with surrounding European areas, because a lot of these places were getting their potatoes from Ireland, mm-hmm. were about to go through some major potato withdrawals. Me love me some potats. Yeah, I don't know where I'd be without a potato, so I'm Speaking not... Speaking of pierogi casserole. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of pierogi casserole. No, I'm kidding. Uh, needless to say, this was a really devastating time. This is a time also where I don't know what what broadcast it was but i remember watching commercial and it was essentially say oh, i think it was for ancestry okay where the, it was the setting was the great potato famine and mm. they were saying oh we have to leave we have to leave this that and the other and then they came to canada like the this family came to canada so it was like oh you should get your ancestry dna to learn when you your when your family was you know, forced into starvation because of the Great Potato Famine, essentially. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how I took it, <laughs> once again. Because you take things dark. Okay. I take things really dark. So, regardless, this was a really challenging time for the, the entire country. Mm-hmm. Many people who purposefully commit petty crimes just essentially so they could kind of go to jail and get food. Oh, so yeah. they potatoes at jail. Yeah, so the jail had a good amount of food to still offer to its inmates. Mm. And because people knew that... Like, arrest me. Essentially, yeah. But at some point, the jail even had to cut their own food back because people were coming in mm. being like, oh, well, you know, I'm only here for for this long, but I'm starving. Feed me. I would say that kind of works in your favor if you're a short sentence, but if you're a long sentence, you kind of just fuck yourself for that. Well, yeah. And not only that, too, but it's just... It just goes to show how desperate, desperate they were. Exactly. Yeah. I'd rather be incarcerated just to feed myself. Yeah. And when I, when I refer to people at the jail, I'm not just referring to adult males and females or... Mm-hmm. Anybody. You know, anybody. I'm also referring to children. Because according to some reports, there were even kids incarcerated at this jail. Hmm. According to other reports, apparently segregation wasn't really a thing at mm-hmm. this jail, especially in the earlier, which is kind of ironic because that's what they created it for but they would have women children and men all meshed in one area that sounds like a bad idea yeah the youngest prisoner was reportedly seven years old who was arrested for petty theft seven seven that's no seven no i like i remember stealing candy when i was like a young kid and being caught no okay it's because i'm too slick (laughs) but you know it's just you wouldn't, you wouldn't send a kid for stealing candy or stealing food. Yeah, to prison. Exactly. No. No. So it just, bad scene. Bad scene, bad times. The jail would essentially become a home to starving people coming in to survive and would face overcrowding because of the famine. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have like a mix of kids and adults. You've got people starving. You've got people upset. You've got people depressed. People have lost loved ones because of starvation or disease. 
it's just chaos. Mm-hmm. It's just chaos at this time. Yeah, my thought goes, like, dark, too. Like, I think now there's all these different varieties of people in jail. There's yeah. a lot of access of people that are bad, that are actually bad in yeah, there. Yeah, that aren't that are, well. That and... are going to have access to children and women, and I'm like, mm. Yep, so not a great situation. No. In another attempt to try and ease the overcrowding, the old East Wing was demolished and replaced with a new three-story wing in 1861. This new design, according to the History Ireland website, was created by John McCurdy who created a new Victorian style prison which organized around the principle of central observation and control. Very fancy. Very. Very. Uh, This newly designed East Wing would allow prison staff to have a view of every cell door in the block, which super handy, I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Now in terms of conditions... Like, if you were someone at this jail, this is probably nil. Not great. They weren't the best. So, for example, men were reportedly given iron bedsteads to sleep on, while women and children prisoners were expected to sleep on the floor. Hmm. Because food was cut off, or Mm -hmm. not cut off, but it was cut back. You can imagine that at one point they were offering three meals a day, that there was plentiful, mm-hmm. and then obviously when the famine came in, things were slowly cutting back, plus with overcrowding too. Yeah. Yeah, it just wasn't great. It wasn't great. The prison continued to function until 1910, where it would essentially temporarily close after serving the area for 114 years. Based on one of the photos they that I took uh, back at the jail, it is believed that the jail was used as a military detention barracks shortly after its closure. If it closed, where did all the inmates go? They're probably just shipped around, mm. depending on what they did, where, you know, they were from, this, that, and the other. Mm. So, a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit everywhere, you know? Probably back down to Australia. Who knows at this rate? Mm-hmm. So, I say temporarily closure, as mentioned, because in 1916, it would reopen again, and this time to serve as a detention site for the Easter Rising. Now, for our non-Irish listeners who maybe think that this is a segue to talking about a family Easter dinner gone bad, I'm going to spit some information about the situation so no one gets it twisted. And no, it's not about a family Easter dinner gone bad. It's... Well darn. It's a lot lot more intense. Okay. Uh, I also want to apologize in advance because I kind of just covered the basis of this situation. I didn't do a huge deep dive. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's tons of other podcasts out there that do deep dives of retelling the history of this, so we'll obviously check them out, but that is not where we're at today. So the Easter Rising, also referred to as the Easter Rebellion, was the Irish insurrection against the British government, according to the Britannica website. The actual event started on April 24th, 1916, and backed by the Irish Republican Brotherhood. It lasted until April 29th of that year. Hmm. From my understanding, this group of people, among others from Ireland, wanted independence for Britain. They were tired of Britain's shit. They wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to be their own country. They were just not having it anymore. Over it. They were like, get your own fucking potatoes. (laughs) I'm so fucking done. I need my spuds. Yeah, I want my... Get your own spuds, damn it. Some of the main characters behind this include Patrick Pierce, Thomas James Clark, Iman Kant, James Connolly, Sean Madirmada... Sorry, Sean, if I pronounced your last name wrong. I did jolly phonics it, though. Uh, Thomas McDonough, Joseph Mary Plunkett, to name a few. According to the Alice Obscurio website, the group of men mentioned were tried in secret at the jail, just adding to the tension of the situation. So they were all apprehended. Mm-hmm. They were taken to the Kilmanham jail. 
tried there in secret, kind of, I don't want to say off record, but kind of... And why? Well... We'll get into it? Okay. Well, we're not going to kind of get super into it, but it was just a really tense situation. I think those that were cap- that captured them, so like the police and the government, mm-hmm. were still tied to the British. Mm-hmm. So these guys were like, fuck Britain, we want to be separate. Do you see where I'm going? I think so. Okay. So shit was just really tense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, they were tried in secret and they would be shortly executed for starting the rebellion to begin with. So things escalated quick. Quick. Executions by firing squad started on May 3rd, 1916 at the jail and went until May 12th. Once again, the jail would close its doors after this in 1924 and would stay closed until roughly 1960. So just to kind of go back a bit, when you do go to the jail, there is a lot of information in terms of the Easter Rising. Mm -hmm. They talk about it extensively. It's just fascinating. And I mean, I think with any place that you're aware of how many deaths took place, Mm -hmm. you kind of are a little bit in awe of what history you're walking on, so to speak. Mm. Um, as far as memory serves me, they actually take you to where executions were held. So the hangings, obviously, you got to see that. But then they also took you to where these people were executed by firing squad after the Easter Rising. Mm. It's really intense, but I would obviously recommend it, especially yeah. if you are interested, if you maybe identify as Irish or you have an Irish history or you're just interested in the culture or you're just looking for something to do. Educate yourself. I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> just do it just do it so yeah anyways the jail would close in 1924 as mentioned but this isn't the end of it at all clearly not obviously not after the jail had closed no one was using it nothing was happening to it it just kind of sat so from mm. 1924 to 1960 oh she made it a long time yeah it, it was pretty not really doing so well. Nature slowly started taking over. Parts of the roof were collapsing. It was just a hot mess, mm-hmm. right? A reported grassroots volunteer group called the Kilmanham Jail Restoration Committee came together in 1960 with desires to reopen the prison and bring it back to life. In 1966, the jail reopened to celebrate the anniversary of the Rising with the success of the volunteer group. The volunteer group managed the property until it was handed over to the state in 1986. The jail now open for public tours. I mean, obviously COVID pending because mm-hmm. the world sucks. Because we're in, still in the fucking panorama. Uh, but yes, it obviously offers tours as mentioned since Jamie, like Jamie and I went there, and it was once again one of the best tours in Ireland that we went to. Best tour in your life? I would say so. Mm-hmm. Thus far. So the tour essentially goes over three floors, like where the inmates were held, different parts of it, what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, It also has a gift shop and a tea shop, which is kind of nice. You get to see the outside of the jail, inside. It's just, it's just really well done. Mm -hmm. Would recommend to my friends, which is everybody listening right now, so. I also want to note that there were a lot of other various noteworthy people who spent time in the jail that I haven't mentioned. However, once again, I think this is one of those places that everyone should go to if you're in Dublin and you're kind of want to get more of that information for yourself. Uh, it's There's so much history to this place that it's kind of hard to just try to bear it down mm-hmm. without having to acknowledge little pieces here, this, that, either, or potentially miss some things, right? But that's kind of the history of the jail. Now onto the spookiness that is... The good stuff. The jail, yes. The spookiness that's still imprisoned in the jail. Okay, no. I'm sorry. And I'm recognizing that. Yeah. Acknowledging. Yeah. yeah, thank you. 
So the spooky section is going to feel like a little bit of a light sentence. I'm sorry for the jail puns, but come on. They're like right here in front of me. I can't not say them. Continue. Anyways. <laughs> but this location is too good to pass up as a spooky, weird distraction. I also want to acknowledge perhaps why people may think this place is haunted by reflecting back to an old theory from a previous episode. So back when we discussed the Edinburgh vaults, I brought up the stone tape theory that essentially believes that certain areas hold onto energy sources because they're made of stone. Mm -hmm. Physical impressions are kind of kind of held onto as a part of like a memory stick, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So as a wee reminder, aka why I brought this theory up is because the jail actually boasts limestone and well regular stone all around it. So think of it as a literal sponge. Yes. So with its pretty intense history, you can kind of speculate wildly how much memory has been trapped in this place. A lot. Yeah, so according to www.hauntedrooms.co.uk, here are some of the reported spooky occurrences that people have claimed to have observed or felt slash heard while in the jail. So lights turning on or off by themselves in the prison's chapel, mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting because apparently psychics visiting the jail report a, quote, evil presence around the chapel balcony. People have also reported being pushed by an unseen force just anywhere in the jail. Didn't really specifically say where. Just tag, you're it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a ghost trying to play tag. The living uh, have reported hearing random footsteps in areas where no one else is known to be at the time, so phantom footsteps. Mm -hmm. There have also been unexplained bangs and random voices heard, and these random voices also include the sound of children, not just adult spirits, because we, we have to have child spirits, of course. We have to. Demons. Demons. People roaming the jail also reported feeling that they're being watched by an unknown presence, which kind of reminds me of the Edinburgh vaults with uh, good old Mr. Boots. Mm. Remember him? Yes. Them. Spooky little bitch. Uh, there have been reports of children who either refuse or pause before entering the jail and report being scared for no reason, which could be because the building itself could be kind of perceived as intimidating as a kid. Like, if you put yourself in that position as a child, it, it's... It's scary. Yes. But this one was kind of a common one that I saw across all my research where kids would just start losing their mind before going in. Like mm. crying, saying, no, I'm, I won't go in, I won't go in, I won't go in. So maybe they shouldn't go in. <laughs> yeah. This might not be something, the location to take your children. Just going to put that out there. Uh, people have reported hearing cell doors opening and closing on their own. And others claim to have, have seen full body apparitions so lively that they get mistaken for the living. Apparently at one point during the restoration, Governor Dan McGill stayed in the jail with his family to make sure the restoration work was being done appropriately. Not sure the exact time frame, but I'm going to assume it was sometime in the 1960s. It's been documented that when Dan was getting ready for bed one night, he noticed that the chapel light was on, so he proceeded to go to the chapel to turn the light off, as you would. Mm -hmm. The story goes that he looked around the chapel, turned the light off, and went back to his, you know, kind of bedtime routine. In a scene similar to a horror movie, he looked back at the chapel once he was back in his kind of sleeping quarters mm -hmm. and noticed that the light that he just turned off was on. Was back on. Ghosts. He repeated the same scene a reported three times before just saying, fuck it, I'm going to bed. 
I'll have a nightlight, I guess, because this ghost wants the light. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, I feel as though if that was me and I was, like, let's say paying the hydro bill, I would just keep doing it. These ghosts are going to contribute. This shit costs money. Yeah. These ghosts aren't going to contribute to the hydro bill. They don't understand the meaning of a dollar these days. You know how many kilowatt hours that's, that's <laughs> going to cost me? Exactly. This is not off season. No. But yeah, essentially just just your kind of average spooky stuff. You know, mm-hmm. things turning on, off, hearing, seeing things, what have you. The next incident that reportedly happened around the restoration period involves an unnamed painter. The painter was working in the dungeon when allegedly a big gust of wind, which presumably came out of nowhere, knocked them down and then pinned them up against the wall. Due to this incident, the painter vowed never to return to the jail. So the wind kept them against the wall? Yes. That's weird. Yeah, so push them off whatever, I'm going to say they're on a stool of some sorts. Mm -hmm. Push them off, but then pin them up to the wall. Nothing's pinning them. But nothing that they can physically see or touch is pinning them. It's just this wind. I'm out. Yep. Bye. (laughs) Get a new painter. Exactly. I wasn't able to find any other reported spooky occurrences beyond this. However, if anyone that's listening has a personal experience in this upcoming shameless plug... Email them to us, and we'll read it for a future listeners episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of summarize this spooky, weird distraction, although the Kilmanham Jail in Ireland may not have as many reported hauntings as, let's say, the Edinburgh vaults in Scotland, and no, I'm not trying to start a spooky war between the two countries or two locations, this place still has a little bit of a spooky punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only that, but it's a really important historical landmark for Dublin for people to educate themselves around and maybe even become more aware of its past. In the future, if we're ever allowed to travel again, hi, Doug Ford. Can you make that happen? Thanks. Uh, I would definitely would love to go back to this location, maybe with my EMF reader, just to see what's going on. Ooh. You never know. And that is my weird distraction for this week. That was a nice little tidbit. Yeah, just a little little spooky one. Uh, Now, shout out to my resources. So the History Goes Bump podcast, episode 34, which was published March 16th, 2015. The Authentic Vacations website, The Haunting History of Kilmanham Jail, uh, no author listed. Heritage Ireland website, no author listed. History Ireland website, Kilmanham Jail, Dublin, by William Cumming, published in Gems of Architecture for issue 3. Three, May, June 2016th, volume 24. The Britannica website, The Great Famine by Joel Mockyer. The Britannica website, The Easter Rising by the editors of Encyclopedia Britannica. And once again, the Britannica website again, because, I mean, it's just a gold mine there. Uh, Robert Emmett by the editors of Encyclopedia Britannica. The gov.ie website, the executed leaders of the 1916 Rising, Scratchable Map Ireland website by Vera O'Dwyer, July 2019, the Irish Times article, His Grave in Ireland, The Search for Robert Emmett's Body by Ronan McGreevy on February 14th, 2020, Atlas Obscura website, the Kilmanham Jail by Queen of the Goths, which is a great, great username to have. And finally, www.hauntedrooms.co.uk, Kilmanham, Jail, Dublin, Ireland. Now, Christy, can you tell these fine listeners where they can find us, where they can support us, how they can support us, 
and any other little bit of housekeeping that we have to cover before we say our goodbyes. Yeah, so our lovely followers, as you're already listening to us on here, Yay. but any other platforms, we're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, a free way to support us. You can get a review for us going, some stars. It's always great. Yeah. It's nothing to cost at you. You don't even have to say anything superbly nice, but five stars and maybe just say, hey, Here's my pierogi casserole recipe. That we would love to try it. Yeah, I'd love to try it. <laughs> um, other than that, you can reach at us at uh, weirddistractionspodcast.outlook.com. Through the email, we would love you to send us some listener stories. Yes. We are trying to get that going some more, but we need more stories. So please send us our way. Anything in ge- like anything spooky, anything not, just a story in general. Like Anything that made you look back and think, hmm, that was weird. And like Britney Spears, just... Give me, give me more. We want more. Give us more. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> also tweet at us at WeirdDistractI1 and hit us up on our Insta page. Also, if you want to monetize some support, we have yes. Buy Me A Coffee, which is something a little bit going on. And you also go to our Patreon page. We have the two tiers. Get yes. some bonus content. Get yes. some shout outs. Gonna shout out right now to Bailey and Tom. Yes. Bless your souls, you great human beings. Honestly, I don't know what we would do without you. Even though we can't physically see you guys yet to give you hugs take this thank you this verbal thank you as a big old warm hug some telepathy ear hugs yes exactly and lastly head over to redbubble we got some merch yeah yeah check us out google us damn it anything (laughs) you'll find us exactly and if you need a distraction we got you Bye. bye bye